You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and today I have a returning guest. His name is Ryan Lee. Ryan is the co-owner of a company called Cashflow Tactics, where he teaches individuals how to be financially free in 10 years or less, regardless of their age, income, or experience. And since our last call, so much has changed in Ryan's business that I wanted to bring him back on the show and share what they've done professionally, but also um, how they've elevated their game and their services to help individuals really truly achieve financial freedom. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Ryan more professionally, but also personally I've hung out with him uh, at a week-long event with our sons, and it's been a true honor to get to know him better, but also to bring him back on the program and share what he's been up to with you because, uh, again, his company's a real deal. He really does care at a deep, genuine level and uh, really helps people achieve that financial freedom, which is very cool. So with that, here I am with Ryan Lee. All right. I'm with Ryan Lee. Once again, Ryan, thanks for coming to the podcast again. Second, second showing. Second time around. That's always, that's always an exciting thing for me. If I get reinvited back, that means I didn't totally botch it the first time. So thank Something you. is going right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still around to invite you on a second time. So that's good on my end. Too. <laughs> there was no talking. question about that. So the second conversation is good for both of us. I'm stoked. Well, I'm, I'm excited to follow up with you because um, the first call was, was excellent. There was a lot of really cool content in there. Um, for those that don't know, Ryan is all about uh, freedom, financial freedom, and helping people along that path. We're going to dive into that here in a few minutes. But um, we had the uh, opportunity and pleasure to connect up in person, doing a, a little father-son event out in Utah uh, not too long ago. And you shared with me there that a lot has changed since we last spoke. And I said, well, let's hear all about it. Let's get you on the show. So yeah. here we are. Excited to be here, Peter. Yeah. And it was so fun, honestly, connecting with you and your son out at that father and son event because at the core of what it is I do, I truly believe it's financial freedom is about spending time, about being in control of your time so you can spend it and ultimately invest it with those that you love. And it was so fun connecting with you and your son and just seeing just the manifestation of the father and the leader that you are in, in uh, his life and who he is. So that was a lot of fun, Peter. I appreciate you taking the time out on that. Thank you. Well, and, and to just hit the tennis ball right back to you, you know, there's, there's a lot of charlatans in the space that you're in and you certainly are not like you're somebody that lives your word and to see you take the time to invest in your family relationships and the things that deeply truly matter is inspiring uh, because it really just, it holds more weight and more power for your business message and why you're doing what you're doing. You're living it. So um, for those that haven't heard the first episode uh, or, or, I haven't heard from you in a little bit. Let's go just give the 30, 60 second overview, what you're doing, what the business is and why you're doing it. Yeah. So here's, here's the reality. And, and really this is part of what's helped us grow so much. I think over the last six months, we're very definitive in what we do. We, we help people achieve financial freedom in 10 years or less. And part of the core of what we do, we don't do anything traditional. So I truly believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or wrong. And the reason for that, that might be a good 30 or a 40-year game, right? You might work in a job and put money in a 401k and 40 years later, it might work out for you. If you want financial freedom in 10 years or less, we help you do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's drill down a little bit. How you do that? How do you do that? Yeah. So number one, it starts off with a game plan. And, and our real objective is to empower people with money. I think 
where so many people feel they, they struggle inside of their financial plan is everything is outside of their control, right? They, you know, they put money in a 401k because that's what everyone does. They hope the market goes up because that's what everyone says it does. They defer their taxes because the people told them they're going to retire in a lower tax bracket and they just feel out of control. And with that lack of control, there's a sense of anxiety. People are just waiting for the shoe to drop. When's the market going to crash? Who's going to be elected next? So our thing is we empower people with money. And the only way to do that is to put you back in control. And there's very few assets that allow people to be in control. And so number one, it starts off with a clear game plan, helping people understand what financial freedom actually is and putting a number and a target on that, backtracking to where they're at now, and then creating a process in between those two points. So what we focus on is number one, high cash value life insurance. We, and most people, what the heck are you talking about? Life insurance, right? I mean, we call it a vault, but it's strategically engineered and used to help people achieve and leverage, leverage your money. So the vault is then used for cash flowing real estate, and we repeat the process over and over and over again. And so it's a very simple approach, but it's a very counterintuitive approach, but it, it just starts off with empowering people with money. Yes. Uh, so for those that who, who are interested in diving more into that process, the first call that we did really went into the whole infinite banking uh, methodology and we broke, Ryan broke out numbers and everything was really, really helpful. If you're interested in that, I encourage you to listen to that first call. So let's not go deep into that right now. I think what's really interesting and in what you are doing now and how it's grown and how it's shifted is your brand message. And um, uh, most people are going to be listening to this on audio, but just on the video side of things, eventually this will get out on YouTube and we, people can see it on YouTube. But um, just even right now looking at your, your studio and the branding and the lighting and the logo, it's beautiful. And, um, but more importantly, the message uh, seems to be very clear. Uh, it seems to be more in touch with, I think, where the average person is at. Like, hey, I'm here. I, I have an idea of what financial freedom means to be. Um, you're going to help me define that. And then you're going to help me build the blueprint to achieve it. It's a very simple message, a powerful message. How has that shifted your business and, and what type of growth have you guys seen because of that? Yeah, that's a great question, Peter. So here, here's the reality. Like so many people in the financial space, we used to talk to people about numbers and about net worth and about the trajectory and the growth and all of that. And that's all relevant and part of the, the whole process. And I get that. But at the end of the day, that's not what people want, right? That's the lingo of the financial space, but no one really cares about their growth or their net worth. Those are all tools or all indicators to get an outcome. And what people really want, at least the people that resonate with our message, they want their time. They want to be in control of their time. They want to be free. And a couple of years ago, Brad and I, Brad's the business partner in Cashflow Tactics, we, we sat down and we have a tradition every year. We, we mentally go through an exercise where we fire ourselves from the business and we sh you know, pretend like we're shutting it all down so we can get very clear on what it is we're building mm -hmm. and then reverse engineer. Are we on track to have that thing, right? Is that, is this the business that we want? Are we serving the clients that we want in the way that we want? And a couple of years ago, you know, we, we really took a hard look at ourselves and we said, look, there's something that's just not clicking, right? I mean, the numbers, yes, they all work. Our, our math, our mechanics, nothing is broken there, but it's just, it's not fulfilling to us. And so we have a coach, her name is Mandy Keen. Mandy's awesome. And she, she, she had us take a personality profile. And for the life of me, I can't remember what that personality profile, the exact one that it was, but what it both came, what like for both Brad and I, our key number one core value is freedom. 
right? We're, we're very analytical. We're very numbers oriented, you know, all of those things, but like our very, our core value is freedom. And as we track that value back through all the decisions that we made in our life, it was really relevant to, to understand that because at the core of what we were really trying to communicate with people is not the spreadsheets, not the numbers, not infinite banking, not real, real estate. We were trying to communicate freedom to them. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive epiphany for us because once we, once we embrace that, we, we took everything down. Like we literally, this time we actually did shut our business down and we took the next four, five, six months and we created a brand centralized around freedom. And, and, and Peter, you met, messaged or mentioned the studio. Behind me is really what we're helping people do. The numbers are part of it, but the numbers are an outcome. And what we really help people do is rise up. Number one, rise up, take control of their financial plan, be empowered, be in a position where they're rising up and not waiting for the stock market or anyone else to tell them or give them permission and then live free. And living free is unique to you. But what we find is most of the people that resonate with our message, they're purpose-driven individuals. They feel like they have a greater purpose that they're meant to live, but for whatever reason, they're trapped, right? I mean, they're trapped trading the best years, the best days of their life for money, hoping that one day they'll have enough money to be able to go back and live that purpose-driven life. And I felt that way for so many years. Yeah. I came from the corporate world, but rise up, live free. That's where, where what really started this, this message and this brand going forward is understanding we want to help people, empower people to be free. You know, it's funny because all the talk of numbers makes me feel anything but free. Like I just, you know, I'm just not a numbers guy. Your message definitely stri- strikes the core of who I am as well. Um, and, and the numbers part of it is, it feels binding and uh, enslaving. So I, I can imagine that that shift in brand positioning and messaging has had quite an impact. What type of growth have you seen because of that? Well, it was really interesting, Peter. Honestly, we had two phases of growth. In the beginning, as we rebranded and relaunched and said, okay, look, our strategy never changed. We didn't change our strategy. Our strategy has always been the same. But because we were committed to serving an audience that was truly, that we wanted people to be purpose-driven. We didn't want to help people retire and go sit on a beach. That's not who we are. There's, there might be some pleasure in that, but that's not fulfillment. And what happened initially is we lost probably 30% of our clients. Right. 30% of our clients just said, Hey, we want retirement. We want you to report on net worth. We want you to do all the traditional stuff. And that's not what we were willing to do anymore. So we lost about 30% of our clients Hmm. who decided to just move in a different direction. They just didn't resonate with the message. And that was honestly liberating for us because they didn't connect with us. We didn't connect with them. They liked our strategy, but there just wasn't that real connection. So did that, did that, did that give you any pause, any doubt uh, or anything? No. And, and part of the reason for that was, you know, we've always been in this business, not necessarily, I mean, we are profit driven. Profit is a tool of validation to help us validate the impact that we're making, but we're, we're really in it because when we align with that value of freedom, we're in it to align with people that want the same outcome. I I don't want to talk to you about numbers and spreadsheets. Like if I have to have that conversation, I can do it, but it's monotony to me. And it, it, it really like at the end of the day, if I've spent my whole day doing that, I'm drained. I'm not, I'm not like fired up. I'm drained. So having those clients leave, yes, it was a hit to the balance sheet a little bit on our business, but it was liberating for us because now we could focus on the clients that do resonate with freedom. So that was the first stage is we lost our clients, right? (laughs) Um, The second stage though was we attracted, like are the clients that were still with us, man, we lit them on fire because 
you know, the ones that were with us, they resonated with our message. And we sent out everyone's shirts that embodied Rise Up, Live Free. And so they would wear their shirts around. And who on earth, what financial planner sends you a shirt? And that doesn't sound like it's going to make a big impact. But people having a shirt, like, Peter, I need to invite you into the Facebook group so you can see it. Like people go out and they wear their shirt at like key places. We had a lady just a couple days ago. She's wanted to take this trip to Machu Picchu her, for, for a long time. And we built that into our financial game plan. And we told her that's actually a rate of return. That's validating you're living the life that you love now. You're not living yeah. a deferred lifestyle waiting until you're 65. And so she hiked to the top of Machu Picchu, rose her Rise Up Live Free shirt and took a picture on the mountains of Peru. And we had a guy from, went to Egypt and we had another lady who started dance lessons and they wear their shirt as an embodiment of living free, right? And so between a Facebook group and, and just some, some little key signif, you know, just signifiers to say, hey, you're making progress. And it's not just a number on a balance sheet that you log into, that's part of it. But having a shirt, having a little monopoly house every time someone buys a house that's signifying you're making progress, you're making progress. And it's not when, it's living free in the moment. I mean, people just started to let go of, I'll, I'll give myself permission to live when I'm 65 and started to live right now. So mm. that was the first thing that happened is like our, our, we lost some of our community, our community that we did have just lit on fire. And then the message now has just been pulling people in. I mean, it's, it's just been amazing. It's been pulling people in person after person after person who resonate with this idea of a financial empowerment, using money as a tool and rising up and living free. Dude, that's phenomenal. It takes a lot of courage to own that yourself. I know a lot of people um, who who are faced with that opportunity and and they're on their heels a little bit because of the financial decline that it probably is going to mean. But uh, it's very inspiring to hear that you guys were courageous enough to do it and how that ultimately gave you a huge return on the back end of that. Yeah. No, I'll be honest with you, Peter. The reality of it is I, I tell people, so when we rebranded, we, we renamed and we had this, this URL and this, this vision a long time ago, but you know, we rebranded as Cashflow Tactics. That's, that's the company that, that does the forward-facing messaging. Um, but I always tell people now that come in, I selfishly built Cashflow Tactics for me. I mean, this is the thing that I wish I had eight years ago when I started implementing the same plan that I'm helping other people implement. Because mm -hmm. honestly, Peter, in the beginning, I truly felt alone. Right. As I, as I started taking money out of my co company sponsored 401k and I started putting it in a life insurance policy and I started buying real estate, it was, it was the exact opposite from what everyone else was doing. It was the exact opposite from what society told me to do. And people said I was crazy. And, I, and there were moments and times that I questioned my own sanity. But when I finally, finally, finally over, over the next couple of years got connected with a group of like-minded individuals for the first time, that's really when my game plan personally accelerated because for the first time I saw the people that were doing it, they were getting results so I could get results. They mm -hmm. saw the same path and the same things I saw. And that harmony, that synergy, that, that energy with a group of like-minded individuals that shot me and my game plan personally, my personal financial game plan through the roof. And that's really what we wanted to create from the beginning. We just kind of fell into the dogma of Peter, I've got to talk to you about spreadsheets and rate of return and this versus that. I mean, the numbers are all there and we just recorded videos on all that. So you can go binge watch our videos, but we talk about freedom. And if you resonate with freedom and being in control and being empowered, then we're your guys. Um, shoot, you said something that I, it's, it's always just, there's a total sidebar for a second. But <laughs> as, as somebody who's interviewing, it's like half the time I'm thinking of the next question because I, 
because uh, you're saying things that I'm curious about. And the, but then other times, like I want to be present to what you're saying to really absorb it. So sometimes I lose it. That's why. I think, it. Exactly. Um, I did take a note though here to ask you about. Uh, it'll come back to me by the way. But uh, I wanted to ask you about Brad, your partner, and how important that relationship is because I've talked to a number a number of other solopreneurs who are out. And I find that a lot of these purpose-driven people, obviously a lot of them start out independently and, and yeah. like you, that you know, charting your own path on an independent uh, path and how important it is to have that partner to help create what you're doing. Have you guys, as far as your personality testing and things like that, in what ways do you complement each other and how valuable is that relationship to you, Brad, your partner? Oh man, I can't even tell you. I, I honestly, we, we say this all the time. I don't know how solopreneurs do it because man, being an entrepreneur is the most gut-wrenching, challenging thing ever. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a mirror and a reflection of everything that's challenging. The only way you grow as an entrepreneur is if you face your deepest, darkest fears and punch through them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And having, having someone that's on that path with you makes it a lot easier. So here's some of the things that, that Brad and I have done we both met each other when we were solopreneurs and we were both on our individual path and we were both gung-ho moving in a, in a direction, but we were in a mastermind group together and we realized that we connected and we saw the world so differently from other people that we naturally just started to gravitate. And, and what we did is we actually formed our own little mastermind group, just the two of us. And it was really, we would just mastermind with each other of how we can make our individual businesses better. Right? How can, how can we take the world that we see and you go do what you're doing and I'm going to go do what I'm doing, but we're going to do it better. And what we started doing is we just started setting goals with each other around not just business, but around our lives and around, you know, what did we want to do in our marriage and how did we want to be as fathers and having that accountability, having that partnership was massive, massive. And, and Peter, this is how you and I connected as well. I mean, you know, we were out together at this legacy event and it's a group of men that want to be more intentional in their relationship with their sons and having that group of accountability, other men that think the same way you do and are pushing the same way you are, it's, it's, it's supportive and it helps you feel like you're not alone. And mm-hmm. the real thing that, that happened with Brad and I is over the years, we realized, man, we're doing the same things. We have very complementary or very offsetting skills. Brad is like, if you ever watched the movie, The Matrix, you know how Neil, when he first realizes that he's the one, he can see the world in numbers. Brad has that ability. Brad can mathematically see the world in numbers and then take those numbers and translate them into a reality. And Brad, man, his brain is just amazing. So to have Brad mathematically prove everything we're doing is awesome. And, and me, I'm a little bit on the other end. I'm very emotionally driven. I'm very visually driven. And, you know, I'm able to help, help people connect the math and the numbers to the world and to life and to what they want. And so our skill sets are so complementary to each other. So when we stand on stage and we, or we give a presentation, we can prove and justify anything we say, but then we can connect it to what it is that people want. And that, that skill set has been really valuable inside of our business. But probably more importantly than that, some of the deepest, darkest, hardest moments in our business, I'm not alone. And um, there's been times that Brad has been just, it's just been so hard and I've been the one that's pulled everything forward. And there's been times that I've just been, you know, in a deep, dark pit and Brad has pulled things forward. And so having that, that person to help that's committed to the same outcome that you are, so you're not always alone has been massively beneficial for us. Yeah. Alignment of values, but then complementary skill sets. Yes, absolutely. Um, are you familiar with the, with, with, um, what's that book? Um, traction. Oh yes. I love that book. 
Okay. I, we might have even talked about that on the last call. I forget. Awesome, but, yeah. Um, uh, that, that's what I think of when I hear what you're talking about, the visionary and the integrator and how both of those um, skill sets or energies even are, are required. Like Steve Jobs had Wozniak, Wozniak, Woz, whatever. You know, everybody has that, that dynamic duo to, it seems like all the successful companies tend to have both of those perspectives. So um, I think that's really interesting. I, I, I have always struggled with the integration side of things because uh, I'm more like you in that visionary, uh, emotional type, passion-driven, purpose-driven. Um, so anybody who's listening, little side note, if you're an integrator, give me a holler. <laughs> um, but uh, still looking for that, looking for my Wozniak. Um, about the, I remember my question from earlier, your methodology uses real estate at a fundamental level, at a foundational level. Um, what about the naysayers who say, hey, you're, you're investing too much in one asset class. What happens if real estate tanks like it did not too long ago? How, how does your system uh, protect against that? Love that. Love that question. We get that all the time, Peter. So here's, I'm going to answer this in two ways. The first way I'm going to answer that is let's just take our financial hat off for a minute and let's put on our life hat. Okay. By definition, when I come to you and I tell you, you can be financially free, regardless of your age, income, or experience in 10 years or less, that is going to require something fundamentally different than you've done up to this point, period. Right? So that separates us right there. But when we look, if we, if we put on our, our life hat and you look at any area of your life, Peter, that you're proud of, something that you've achieved massive success in that area of your life, that success has been on the tail end of a very, very coordinated and focused effort. Would you agree? Yes. So you have to be focused to get massive success. But when we look at the financial industry, the financial space, we're preached and taught this, this word of diversification. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's like the holy grail. If you say anything against diversification, you must be crazy. Right? But here's the reality. If you're not in control of what you invest in, you have to diversify, right? If you come to me and I'm a stock bond and mutual fund guy, then I'm going to tell you diversification is critical to your success because if stocks go down, maybe bonds go up because they're not correlated. And maybe over the long run, we have a a less of a negative impact because of diversification. Mm -hmm. But by definition, diversification will push you back into an average rate of return. That's all you can expect. And you're back into a 40 year game. If you want to create wealth fast, it's going to require focus. And so when we tell people you need to be focused in real estate, we're not telling you to throw caution to the wind. What we're telling you is you have to become elite at investing in real estate. And guess what? Brad and I both started investing prior to the 2008 crash. And when 2008 happened, yes, we lost some money in one area of real estate, but we made money in every other area. And here's why. In real estate, you can make money in up to four ways. You can make money through appreciation, right? Having the asset value go up. You can make money through cash flow, sitting back and collecting rent checks. You can make money in literal tax deductions, which is as good as any other rate of return. And you can make money using leverage. What burned people in 2008 is they looked at real estate the same way they look at the stock market, thinking Mm -hmm. real estate only goes up in value. And just like any asset, it will go up in value until it doesn't. But what burned them is they used leverage to buy an asset to hoping that it was gonna go up in value and they only bought the real estate hoping for appreciation. That is the wrong way to buy real estate. If you're just betting on appreciation, you're speculating, you're hoping on, you know, that things will work out and you don't control that outcome. That's based on public opinion. Mm-hmm. If, however, you buy real estate based on cash flow, then you get to sit back and have the volatility of sometimes real estate's up and sometimes it's, it's down, but we bought it on cash flow. And guess what happened in 2008? People still paid me rent. 
And guess what happened in 2009? People still paid me rent and I just sat back and collected rent checks. And as the real estate went down in value, that showed up on a balance sheet, but it didn't impact my business at all. And then over time, the real estate regained its value and went back up in value. But if you buy real estate the right way, then with cash flow, cash flow will sustain the ups and downs of any volatility in the appreciation or the asset value of real estate. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I mean, I have a little bit of an advantage because I've been a real estate investor and I know what you mean when you say buying the right way. Um, so, and I also have seen many times where people will buy real estate at retail value and speculate and hope yep. that it goes up. Um, so I get that. So, but for those that don't know, what do you mean by buying it the right way? Let's, let's define that. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question right there. So Peter, the, the reality of it is just real estate, the stock markets, you know, Bitcoin, whatever it is, those are just assets. Those are potential assets. And what, what happens with most people is they come into the game of investing thinking that they're going to buy an asset that will passively just do something for them, right? And mutual funds, real estate, Bitcoin, those are going to go up and down. They're going to have, you know, ebb and flow in value. And if that's all you're buying real estate for, the most dangerous thing you can do is then go use leverage. Take a bank loan and buy a piece of real estate hoping that three months later, six months later, a year later, you can refinance or sell the property for a profit. You don't control the asset value. That's based on public opinion. So when I say buying it the right way, it's buying it focused on a very, very core set of metrics, but it's really based on cash flow. Mm. How much cash flow will that profit property provide for you once we factor in all of the costs associated with it? And as long as you can positive cash flow, that's exactly what happened in 2007, eight, and nine, we just sat back and collected positive cash flow rent checks as yes, some of the real estate value went down, the cash flow sustained us through that volatility where everyone else was declaring bankruptcy because they used leverage to buy an asset that wasn't cash flowing. That, that was what sunk them. Makes sense. Um, I always tell people too, that as an investor, if you can't make money the same day that you bought that property, you didn't buy right. Oh, so whether wow. it's, whether it's through cash flow or whether it's through flipping it or whatever, if you're not buying it, then you're a speculator, not an investor. I love uh, that, man. We have yeah. a whole module on speculating versus investing. Love that concept, Peter. Yeah, that was that was a distinction that that came to me when I first got into it because I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad back in the day. It really clicked with me. I was like, all right, we're going to get into this. We moved down to Florida. We got into real estate. Um, and But I didn't know what it meant to be an investor. <clears throat> and I remember some of the key distinction I got in that experience was, number one, first and foremost, what a motivated seller was which was very different than what a, a most people seller. think. Of, what's that? And then a retail seller. Right. Absolutely. So I was like, Oh, you're motivated. And, <laughs> and I, and you know, but then there's also the side of you emotionally that's like, hey, I don't want to take advantage of people. But when, when you found out that people were motivated by things that were more valuable to them than getting the top dollar for their property, because it was either in distress or they were in distress because of a financial situation or a family situation. Um, when you understood what their motivation was and that you can actually help get them their top priority motivation, they were okay not getting top dollar value because either they had a lot of money somewhere else, it wasn't as important to them for whatever reason. So um, that was a big distinction for me to, to, to goes, oh, okay, that's how I buy right. And, uh, and how you can make money the day of buying it or frankly, in a lot of cases before you even buy it. Um, so what, uh, when you talk about buying the right way, what type of real estate are we talking about? Single family, residential, multifamily. Uh, and then also uh, sort of a, a second question to that, how much 
learning does somebody need to do to be a client of yours to do the invest? Like, are you doing the vesting for them? Do they need to be the investor? How much responsibility is on them? What do they need to do to, uh, while uh, being a client with your? Yeah, that's a great question. Here, here's the reality of anything, but especially in real estate, what we tell people is get rich in a niche, right? You can make money in multifamily. You can make money in single family. You can make money in condos. You can make money, you know, in syndications. There's lots of different ways to make money in real estate. That's one of the benefits of it is there's, it's such a creative asset. Um, but we tell people get rich in a niche. And, and just like we talked about in the beginning, it's not about diversification. It's about focus. If you try to invest in all of the niches in real estate and you're just getting going, you're not going to be good in any of them. So where we start with people usually is the three bedroom, two bath, because it's the easiest asset class to understand. We've all lived in a three bedroom, two bath. It's the highest asset class in demand. When people are moving out of apartments, they're moving into three bedroom, two bath homes. When people are downsizing from their five, you know, five bedroom house, cause all their kids moved out, they're moving back into three bedroom, two bath homes. Mm-hmm. So it's the easiest asset class to understand. It's the easiest asset class to get long-term profitable, sustainable financing for. And it's the asset class that, that has the lowest volatility overall in any real estate, you know, ups and downs, mm-hmm. right? The high, the high income or the high uh, value properties, those are going to sit on markets for a long time and they're going to take massive dips and the low value properties are going to do the same. You know, we say the asset classes that we're looking at, they hide in plain sight. No one drives down our neighborhoods and says, that's the one, that's the investment I've been looking for. It's just mm-hmm. hiding in plain sight. It's a three bedroom, two bath home built in the seventies or eighties brick, you know, brick facade, nice neighborhood in a nice, uh, nice yard. But no one would think of that as the, the, the one golden egg that's going to make money month after month, year after year. Mm-hmm. So that's where we start. But if you come in and you're already good at apartments, I'm going to say, Hey, get rich in a niche. Let's build your game plan around apartment buildings. Or if you're in, you know, if you're in involved in syndications, now I might give you some, some different uh, strategies and principles that might help you go faster but at the end of the day, it's get rich in a niche, focus, right? Yep. That's number one in real estate. Number two, see your question number two was, uh, how do people get started? Is that what you said? Uh, how much is required of them as a client of yours? What do they need to know? Do you, do you guys handle um, that side of it if they don't know anything about real estate investing? Great question. So that's part of our rebrand. When we, when we say empowered with money, I will drive with you. Like I'll sit shotgun with you, but I will never do it for you. If I run your financial plan, you're not financially free because financial freedom is literally a mindset. That's what it is. And if you don't know how to use money, like if you don't know how to use money as a tool, you might as well put it in the stock market. You might as well put it in real estate. It doesn't matter. You're not in control. Mm-hmm. So cash flow tactics is about empowering you, the individual. And this is done on a couple of different levels. We first have a whole course, everything that, that we believe money to be from making it, keeping it, growing it, and living wealthy. We've recorded videos, tactical videos, on how to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish in each one of those phases. So we have a video for every area of our strategy, our philosophy that we believe in that you can watch. We have mastermind groups that we meet once a week, and as a community, we rise up together. If, you're, if you have a question, uh, Peter, if you're a brand new real estate investor, guess what? Everyone in the group has the same question. So we work together as a group to answer questions and move people forward, and then everyone has an individual game plan. So as an individual, you should know exactly where you are, where you're going, what financial freedom means, and the fastest path to bridge the gap. If you have questions, you have videos, you have a community, and then most of what we talk about is taking action. What separates most people is financial freedom in 10 years or less sounds awesome. I love that idea, but it's all it is. It's just this platitude. It's just this saying, it's just this message. 
until you embody that message and take action. Mm. That's where really where the learning and growth comes from. So we've set up all of these resources to facilitate answering questions and moving people forward as they're taking action. But you would always be empowered. You will always be investing. You will always be making this decision. You always own the assets. We might sit shotgun with you to say, hey, consider this, consider that. But it's your investment, your game plan. Love that because ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you guys get hit by a bus or whatever. It, it, the person knows how to do it. And that is true empowerment. Yes. Um, so that's, that makes sense. Um, what about people who hate being a landlord or hear that idea and they're like, I just, uh, <laughs> good. Then you're my people. I hate being a landlord too. Okay. <laughs> Here's the reality, man. Um, in the beginning, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just like you. And I love that book, man. That book opened me up to a whole different world that I didn't yep. see before it. But what that book first opened me up to was real estate is an asset that I should go out and do. And I did, I bought, you know, a couple properties. I bought three properties actually. And after three properties, I felt like I had a part-time job. Mm -hmm. I had to find a property. I had to renovate a property. I had to rehab it. I had to find a renter, collect the rent, deal with all their issues, fix the toilets, you know, and then I had to do it every single month. And mm -hmm. for me, that was the antithesis of what I was looking for. I wanted freedom. I wanted more time. I didn't want to have two jobs. So what, what ultimately ended up happening is after three properties, I had a major issue come up in one of the properties that reflected how poor of a property manager I was. <laughs> and I had a decision point. I need to get out of real estate. I need to be one of the, you know, the hundredth or thousandth, you know, failure story, the guy who used leverage and wasn't able to make it work, or I had to find a way to get what I wanted. And so what we focused on is building a system. So, you know, one of our business partners, Jimmy Vreeland out there in, in St. Louis, what we focus on, we call it autopilot assets, but at the end of the day, it's turnkey real estate. I want to pay someone else to find the property, to rehab the property, to renovate the property, to find the tenant, to talk to the tenant and to manage the property. I want to factor in all of the costs associated with him doing that and make sure I still get a minimum rate of return that's acceptable for me. And then I want to do that as many times as, as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. so in the beginning, every home I added to my portfolio took away more of what I wanted. It, it took away more of my time. And over the long run, that wasn't sustainable. I couldn't become financially free in real estate. But when I stepped back and said, I'm going to build a system. So someone else does most of the work for me today. I have over 30 properties and I spend less than three hours, three to five hours a month managing the process in the system. Now, mm -hmm. I take less profit, but I factor that in from the very beginning. And the reason I take less profit is I'm not willing to do the work that someone else, that I'm going to pay someone else to do. Mm -hmm. you're, you're offsetting the headaches. <laughs> That's it, 100%. So now it's great. It's the first part of the month. This is when all my rent checks are coming in. I, I watch, I mean, we have a whole system of how we do this, but I make sure that all my rent checks are coming in. I make sure everything's hitting the, the criteria that I've set up. If it doesn't, I have some checks and balances with the teams that, I, that, I've, that I've partnered with. And that's how I manage my system. So mm -hmm. I spend three to five hours a month. So it's not mailbox money, right? I still have to manage the system. But at the end of the day, I can have complete financial freedom because I'm literally running a business of real estate, paying someone else like an employee to do the work that I didn't want to do. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be willing to trade 30 properties worth of income for five hours a month. Uh, absolutely. So, granted, it's not mailbox money, but it's... Uh... It's darn close. Um, what does is, what is freedom look like for you to share with uh, my listeners what, what you're doing with your time? Oh, man. I'm hanging out with you in the, in the mountains of uh, southern Utah. That's you know, so great. Kids' lessons. I mean, for me, it's two things. Um, for me, 
in the beginning, freedom was leaving my proverbial rat race. I, you know, Peter, I did everything traditional. I was kind of a, a screw up in my early teenage years and I got my head on straight around 23. And as soon as I got my head on straight, all of this social conditioning without me ever questioning it just kicked in. I went to college, I got a job, you know, I, I earned a paycheck, I climbed the corporate ladder and about six years into it, I realized I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And I was losing everything I wanted in the pursuit of my corporate career. And at that point, you know, there, there were a few things that just broke me down. But at that point, I resolved I have to get out. I have to find a way mm -hmm. to be more, be more purposeful with my life. And I never saw myself doing what I'm doing today. But as I started really? implementing the very same system that I teach people now, I just had a lot of people asking me questions. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? How is that working? How are you leaving the corporate world? And my first goal was just to get out of the rat race. And as I did that, that inevitably started what we do today because I had so many people asking me what I do. So I love, I love, I love, I love what I do. Now it's not easy, but I love what I do. And so financial freedom is being empowered to show up in my business and to be purposeful in my business. And when I told you we fired half of our clients mm -hmm. because we changed our message, the only way I could really do that, Peter, is because I'm sitting on the foundation of financial freedom. Right. I have income streams independent of my business. So I can make decisions not necessarily because I have to ha make money from that decision. I can make a decision based off of how I want to use my time. Yeah. So that's how it started. And my business is a true fulfillment for me because I, I really get to stand on a soapbox and say things that I wouldn't have normally said because, you know, to tell people that 97% of what you're doing is wrong by default, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a very small audience. I could go out and say very traditional things and get much, you know, many more clients, but I get to say things that I want to say. Yeah. But the second thing is, and I'm, you, and you know this, we're, we're very aligned on this. I'm very intentional with my family and with my children and my wife. And so we love to travel. Um, we love to take adventures. We love to do, just do exotic, fun things. And it started small, but it's just grown into, you know, bigger things and bigger experiences as our means and resources have grown. So financial freedom for me is a combination of living purposeful with my family and being intentional in my business. Mm -hmm. In what ways are you giving back? Are, are, do you spend much time on that now or is that something in, in the future? Huge. So one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm passionate about, and, and this, this came from just my own internal struggles, right? Is I'm passionate on helping empower people in the education setting, right? I want people to be educated from a young age that school and college and degrees and corporate ladders, that's not the only way. If you wanna be there, I, I love it, but be there intentionally. And so my kids go to an entrepreneurship school that we help found and start here in the Utah area. So we teach, we give back, we fund, uh, we participate heavily in that. Um, and so you, you met Doug, my son, all three of my kids go to that school and that's, that's required a lot of financial effort and attention from my wife and I to help get that school off the ground and, and really support that over the last three years. Oh, wow. I didn't know you did that. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did, how did you start that? How well is that going? What's your philosophy on creating an entrepreneurship school for kids? Well, Peter, I'm going to tell you, man. So I, I don't normally say this, but I'm going to tell you this. So I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. I'm a high school dropout. You know, I just like the traditional school system for me, I just felt so stuck. So, so stuck. Yeah. It was a lot of shame and blame on like I, that I took internally for me because I grew up in a very traditional household. And as I mentioned, when I got my head kind of a little bit on straight and, and started to figure out what I needed to do as a responsible adult, 
like the first conditioning that kicked in for me is I got to go to school. Mm -hmm. So I actually went back and got my GED at 23 and did some under, you know, undergrad credits and then went into college and, and, you know, did the traditional path because that was just my, there was, I didn't even question it. That was what you do as a responsible adult. And I, there were several points in my career that I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to quit. I, I, I can't do this. Yeah. But like that social conditioning was just so powerful for me. Um, so that's really where the passion starts for me. I want my children and other children that are, are, are you know, in the school, schooling uh, arena to be more intentional with schooling. Schooling is amazing. Learning is awesome. And I truly believe that we are the greatest asset. The more we can increase our mindsets and our skill sets, that's the best investment we can make. Mm-hmm. But I feel like school is kind of a conveyor belt and it's a conveyor belt that just moves people along into a system of, of control in many cases and dependence. Mm-hmm. So, so much of my, my, my personal like drive is to empower people with knowledge, to, with information, to be intentional. We need doctors, we need lawyers, we need dentists, we need business owners, we need you know, factory workers, we need all of those people. But if everyone is living their life intentionally, the problems that we face in the world would literally disappear overnight. Mm-hmm. So that's really my goal. With the Entrepreneurship Academy, it's about empowering people to be intentional with their education. If they want to be a doctor, awesome. I support that. I love that. Go to school, do everything you have to do. If you want to be a business owner, there shouldn't be any shame and blame around that. It should be empowered to say, look, I have this vision. I have this goal. And you know, Doug, he's yep. a very, in, you know, very cerebral person. I truly believe he could be an amazing entrepreneur um, and, and create amazing solutions, or he could be an amazing, you know, inventor inside of someone else's game. And either way, I just want to empower him with education and knowledge to know that he gets to create his future, not be a, a cog in a wheel. Uh, did you create this from scratch or are you modeling it after another program? Yeah, so we've got, there's, there's uh, another lady that's in our neighborhood that, that's the visionary behind it. And she pulled in some community support from local business owners like myself. It's, it's modeled off of Montessori learning. So it's very project driven and, and self-directed learning. So it's modeled off of Montessori but we combine Montessori with, with um, entrepreneurship. And so it's called the Ignite Entrepreneurship Academy. And it's really based off of hands-on project learning, self-directed learning. So we, there's goals and targets set that the individual, like that the kid, the, the, the student gets to set every day, but how they learn, how they accomplish those things, they get to direct their learning. And so it's, it's, it's very, that, that's the focus of it is, is helping empower children. So cool. Um, my daughter would eat that up. And I think my son would be interested too, but um, I know for sure my daughter would. What, um, what kind of, well, first of all, how big is the school? How many kids do you have? So we just barely, so it was, we were renting a building for the first two years. This is its third year in existence. So in the first couple of years, when we combined grade levels, so first, second, and third was combined into one classroom setting and uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth was another classroom setting. This year, the school opened up, so we've been building it, just opened up, so we're now through junior high. There's about 250 students that come in from, so it's not just our local neighborhood, They're, they come in from you know, 20, 30, 40 miles away. So wow. it's very, very focused on kids that want a non-traditional, or a lot of times parents. Parents, like I saw in my son the same thing that I saw in myself. He was struggling in school. I know how smart Doug is, yeah. but he struggled with the sit down, shut up, Yeah. You know, answer questions, take a test that just isn't his learning style. So, you know, the parents kind of a lot of times help their kids find the right spot for them, those that are intentional with their kids learning. So we have kids that come in from all over northern and southern Utah into the school. There's about 250 kids. 
and we just locked in that it can go through junior high. We're trying to get it all the way through high school right now. Wow, that's fantastic. A quick little side note, the audio is kind of going a little bit in and out. I don't know if you could pull that a little bit closer. Talk to the microphone. Sorry, I keep looking at you in the, in the camera. <laughs> no, that's all right. It, I, I don't, it, you're facing the same way, but for some reason it kept going uh, in and out a little bit. Um, that is, uh, that is really fascinating. Congratulations to, I mean, 250 kids. That's not nothing for sure. That's uh, my sister just started a school and I know how much it takes to, uh, or I know a little bit of how much it takes to get those things off the ground. That's awesome. It's um, been a ton of work. It's been a ton of work. And honestly, we get to support it. Like I get to support it as a, as a business owner and as a participant in, in education and schools and, and, and uh, you know, like some of the extracurricular activities that the kids focus on. But there are some local leaders here that are, have just worked tirelessly to make that happen. That is so cool. I love that. Um, what, um, let's shoot. I was going to look at some of the other notes here. I think I've already asked you all those. <laughs> um, so is there a minimum amount that somebody needs to have to start with you? No, that's a, that's a great thing about it, man. I mean, Peter, everyone has a game plan that's unique to them and financial freedom is going to be different for you than it is for me. And so we just take an individual, you know, the, the, the most empowering part about it is a game plan. And we, we talk about there's four P's that we have to focus on in a game plan. But if you think about it, the first thing that we need to focus on is the possibility. Like everyone has this fuzzy idea right now of what retirement might be. And they all just, not all, but most people live a deferred lifestyle, giving themselves permission to do what they want to do someday, right? And so we start off in getting people very emotionally committed to what financial freedom means right now. So the possibility, but then we have to eliminate the problem, right? And most, what most people face is they've been conditioned to put money in IRAs and 401ks and cross their fingers and hope that it works out and it's a 40 year thing. So we help people eliminate all of the distractions. That's the problem. And then we get very, very focused on the present moment. How much are you making? How much are you saving? Where is it going? Let's deal with the honest facts, right? If you tell me you're making $100,000 and you're saving $20,000, where's the evidence, right? And if you're not, then we're going to get you in a habit of saving at the very minimum 10% of your income. Mm-hmm. But then it's the path. Once we're clear on where we're going and where we're at and we've eliminated distractions, then your game plan is unique to you. And we line it up as a series of 90-day targets. So what's the first thing you have to do, Peter? What's the second thing you have to do? What's the third thing? And as you step into the game plan, because everything's focused on action, as you step into the game plan, taking action, you knock over your first target, you knock over your second target, you knock over your third, you just build momentum and things compound and build on themselves. But the minimum, it doesn't matter. We have people that start in debt and their first target is, okay, we're going to build a debt plan and you're going to just focus on getting out of debt. And it might mm-hmm. take you 18 months, but that's your first target. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's how the whole game is built. So no matter where you're at, we build a game plan to show you how you can be financially free in 10 years or less, uh, regardless of what you have to work with right now. What kind of um, success stories can you share? Oh man, that's the funnest part about this. You know, I'm telling you, you know, people are, are sending in their pictures, you know, and posting on the Facebook group that we run of the life, the purpose-driven life that they've been mentally, you know, giving themselves permissions to live right now. But if we just want to talk about the numbers, you know, we've got a couple success stories. I mean, lots of success stories, but a couple that I'm going to share with you. So we had a guy that came in about, he's been in the game now with us for about 18 months. He was actually one of our very first guys that came with us on this rebrand and came with us on this new journey. In fact, he actually was one of the ones that inspired it because he's like, I just want more of your time, Ryan. What would it take for me to be able to sit down with you every single week and you show me what I need to do? And, you know, we pulled him in and a few other guys and that's really where we tested, tested and incubated this idea of running masterminds. Um, but Chad, 
he's, he's one of the success stories. His first target was he just, he felt so anxious around money. He didn't know how he was ever going to be financially free. And it kind of culminated his wife wanted to come home from work um, to, to, because they were going to have their second child. And, and that was like stressing Chad out like crazy because he could never see a, how he could, how she could come home from work and B if she did that, they would never retire. He would be stuck forever. Mm-hmm. So we sat down and we built a game plan and, you know, we did it, got rid of everything that we was doing before and got him on a very focused path. In the last 18 months, he's built over $100,000 in his vaults. He's used that and some of the other things that we teach to po- purchase 11 properties. He's cash flowing almost $3,500 a month right now. And we have different levels of what we call, fin- you know, financial freedom. But that first $3,500 a month brought his wife home from work. Right. They only needed about 2300 to do that, but it brought his wife home from work. Is that a net, is that a net number or is that a, that's a net number. Yeah. $3,500 net cash flow coming in per month right now. So that literally changed Chad's life forever. Right. I mean, in 18 months, things fundamentally, his life has been changed. Um, So that's one success story. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you just kind of a, 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 an overview. We, we did a little state of the union inside of, inside of um, our group about three months ago. And we just took eight people. So, and these, Chad is kind of an anomaly. He's done more in the last 18 months than the average person does. But these eight people that we took, we just said, look, here's the average results that, that people are getting. Eight people had secured over a million dollars collectively in those eight people in their own vaults. So they have control over their money. It's no longer subject to market volatility or taxes or anything like that. And among those eight people, they had created almost $5,500 a month of cash flow spread out over eight people. Mm. So when you look at that, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're helping people control their money, turn their money into cash flow, and repeat the process. What kind of cost is it to work with you? So we have a few different areas. Uh, the, the best way for people to understand what we do, we have a free webinar. I'll give you the link for that. You can go check us out on YouTube. That's all free. I mean, everything, we're, we're an open book. Everything we do, we share with you on YouTube videos. So it's whatever YouTube cash flow tactics. Um, but our academy, this is where most people come in and they get access to the complete strategy and the system and get a game plan. That's four, four, 497, four, 497. So very low barrier to entry. Our goal is to get everyone exposed to this message, get a game plan and get working with us. Fantastic. Yeah, that's very reasonable to get in. Um, what, uh, just to shift things up a little bit, you talked before about eliminating distractions. Uh, and I know you're a family guy and I know you have young kids at home. Um, this is totally shifting gears, but what, what do you do to mitigate social media with your kids? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic question. So we, <laughs> and I have to follow this myself. So we have a very, very strict policy at 6.30 when dinner happens, phones are off. Phones are put away. They're not in my pocket. So my wife, my kids, myself, we all take our phones and we put them in a box and that box is up on, on, in my wife's office. And so the phones are away and that way we can focus on each other, not deal with the distractions of, you know, I just had a Facebook message or whatever it is. So that's number one. Number two, my oldest son is 13. My youngest is seven. And then I have a daughter in the middle. We have, and, and this, I don't know, there's might be better programs, but we have what's called the Disney circle. And that Disney circle kind of regulates what what amount of programs we allow on the electronic devices that our kids have access to. So we limit YouTube access. We limit, there is no Facebook access. So our kids don't actually have Facebook access. Um, so we, we use technology to help be a tool and a medium in between what, what can be accessed in the home. 
Is that uh, is that an app, the Disney Circle thing? Yeah, it's an app, and then it's a it's like a it's a box that we have, and the the box kind of controls all. You you link all of your your electronic devices to it, and you can set parameters on this electronic device allow everything on this electronic device shut off all of this stuff and you can set time frames hey they can only use this electronic device from 9 a.m to, to 5 p.m and then after that it doesn't work anymore so oh, that's interesting yeah it's an app to kind of help control um what access and what restrictions you want to put on the electronic things from from you know playstations to to ipads to iphones and everything in between Oh, wow. That's cool. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming that works outside of the Wi-Fi area too. Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't think it does. So we, you know, we, we haven't, maybe our kids are naive. I don't know. I'm sure they know, but you know, we don't have Wi-Fi on their iPad. They can't take their iPad out and, and, you know, download videos. They do have a cell phone, but that cell phone is a community cell phone with the, with all three of the kids. And we but only, have, is it a smartphone? Do they have apps and stuff on that? It's a smartphone, but we, we don't let any apps on the phone. So we, the only app that we let on the phone is, um, what's that, that little video messaging app that we do back and forth. It's, uh, Marco Polo. So it's Marco Polo where we can do like little video calls with each other. So that's the only social media app that they have. And it's actually connected to our account. So I can see if someone Marco Polo's them that, that I'm not familiar with, I can see that. So we're, we're a little bit, maybe a little bit more hands-on than some parents, but that's been like, we really, really try to be intentional with our kids and limit their exposure, but we're very open and honest with them. And we talk very frankly about what that exposure actually is and what, you know, what pornography is, what that looks like, what that feels like, why they should avoid it, but you know, why they shouldn't be ashamed of it at the same time. So, I mean, we try to be very, just very verbal with our kids about wow. what, what's out in the world. That's brilliant. I, is that something you've integrated into the school as well? Not into the school. It's, it's part of my family and I, like my wife and I, we, we run what's called a family council and, and it's a whole model and a system for our kids of how we interact at dinner time, how we interact on a weekly basis, how we coordinate and calendar, what type of vacations we do, how we earn those vacations as a family. So we run like a very intentional program with our family uh, that we call the Lee family council. And we've talked a little bit about that. We embody that with a, family crest that we, yeah. that we created together and, and a, lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. I love that. Is that something that you developed yourself or is that a third party thing? Uh, it's, it's, uh, we developed it ourselves, but I've taken feedback and ideas from tons of different programs and books and things that I've read over the years. We actually share that inside of Cashflow Tactics, uh, kind of the, the model that, that, that we run. Eventually, I'll probably make that a, a standalone course. That, that's been a, a goal of mine for the last uh, couple of years. A lot of people have asked me about it. Oh, I was going to say that easily is a, is a program or a product uh, right there. I know a lot of people would be very interested in that guidance. Um, what's been the biggest learning uh, takeaway that you've had in that process developing the Family Crest? That it's never perfect. <laughs> I mean, that's... As a, as a perfectionist, right? I mean, you know, I, I used to let let kind of the idea of perfection stand in my way and I'll, I'll launch it, I'll do it, I'll, I'll implement it when it's perfect. Um, so now it's just taking imperfect action. And like our family council never is perfect. It never runs, you know, with, without someone maybe crying or, you know, a cell phone <laughs> ringing or someone knocking on the door or kids getting distracted by, you know, what their friend said at, you know, at, at the lunch table today but it's, it's being consistent and, and being willing to implement something consistently, even though it's not perfect has built momentum for us over the last couple of years. And that's really the key to it. I think is just taking imperfect action, doing your best and, and really realizing that it's just a work in progress. 
One of the uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten in a long time came from a friend and also mentor, uh, Brian Ward, who I've had on the show, and he was talking about deadlines and how a really low standard is, uh, as I'm sure you and many of the listeners can relate to, is that idea of perfection and that it'll get done once it's perfect. And um, he said that instead you create the deadline and you make it as perfect as possible up until that deadline. And that deadline just simply is a snapshot of where it is at that point in time. You click the publish button, you launch it, you push it out, whatever it is, wherever it is at that point. But, but the deadline dictates the level of quality, not perfection and quality dictates the deadline. And I thought that that gave me a huge mind shift in how to roll out the podcast, how to roll out, you know, different things. Um, and I love that idea. So that's, yeah. Sounds like that's me. beautiful, Peter. I actually, I appreciate you sharing that. I love that as well. That's, that's been probably one of my biggest, I think, secrets to success over just in business, in life, in, in our fine, our family and our finances it's never perfect. It's just, you create that artificial deadline. And that's why I like to set 90 day targets. Like I can't see, I can't see past 90 days. So what's, (laughs) what do I want to accomplish in the next 90 days? I can mostly see it and I'm going to work as hard as I can and push to that, that target. And that target more than anything, just gets you moving in a general direction. That's all it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, since we're doing a shout out, I, we should probably mention Ryan Mickler. Ryan was the one that, uh, runs order of man podcast. And he was the one that created the legacy event that, uh, that Ryan and I went out to out in Utah. Um, for those that are interested in a father-son type thing and or just developing yourself as a man, I highly recommend checking out Ryan. Uh, um, he's, got, uh, he's got some killer stuff, order of man. So um, we are a little bit short on time and uh, I know you got other things that you got to get going on. What other, uh, what, what piece of advice or inspiration can you leave with the, I'm just going to leave it super wide open and see what you can do to fill that in. So here's, and this is kind of interesting, man. Um, you know, a lot of people come to us in the business setting because they're in pain financially, right? And when we talk about financial freedom in 10 years or less, that gives them hope. And we use that as kind of, you know, um, a forward facing message. But I, I really tell people once they get into our game, the biggest investment that they're actually making is in themselves. And the biggest realization that I had is, is that as I started to take control my best investment was who I became in the process of becoming financially free. Mm. And what, what I really look back as I look back over the course of my life, what has really given me more confidence in myself and on really leading to certainty is my morning routine. And I think anyone that's successful, anyone that, that we look to as someone that we admire, I mean, Ryan Mickler, right. Um, you know, they have a solid locked in morning routine and I, and I'll never, you know, that, that's, that's my secret to success and your morning routine. I don't know if there's one right perfect routine that has to be unique for you, but wake up and accomplish your one thing, your most important target in your life, whether it's in a relationship that you have or a side hustle that you're trying to get off the ground, or you're trying to become a real estate investor, like wake up an hour early and get that one thing done in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if you can get that done before the rest of the chaos of the world hits your day, then you have won the day. And if you can do that, you know, every single morning for a week, for a month, for a year, for a decade, your life will be fundamentally different if you win the day every single morning. And that mm-hmm. is the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone that's trying to make incremental improvements in their life is be intentional with your morning. Love that, man. Appreciate it. Well, uh, I feel like we could probably do another call. Heck yeah, man. I love talking to you, Peter. I know. Honestly, I'd love to dive in a little bit more on the relationship side of things too and how you and your wife have 
have worked together. What does that look like? Uh, the vacations that you've done, how you've organized that, things of that nature. So maybe we can do another one on that as well. Cause you know, the, the holistic approach to being an entrepreneur, so many people talk about the, the, the numbers of being an entrepreneur, like we've talked about before, but uh, every entrepreneur is dealing with a spouse and kids and family. And how do you, how do you manage all that? So yes. um, that might be an interesting, another call down the road. Love anyway, that. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, maybe more importantly, your passion for what you're doing and rising up and living free. I'm in, we need to talk a little bit further on that on my end. Um, but um, with that, thank you, brother. Awesome. Peter, pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing. Love the impact that you're making in the world. And it was just an, an honor to be here with you today. Appreciate it. Thank you.